Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. This week, I am so excited to sit down with Dan O'Reilly, the CEO and founder of Fuel Sales. You might hear me calling him Dano because that's what everybody calls him as well. Today, we're going to be talking about all things edtech sales. We very rarely get a chance to dive into the sales component of edtech, but for sales to be effective and for marketing to be effective, they've got to work together. So we're going to be talking about the best ways to sell to schools and districts, including what's a good sales presentation, what are some best practices, what are mistakes to avoid, what is the edtech purchasing cycle in a typical year? And how does that vary within edtech products? He's going to talk about really good tips and tricks on how to follow up. And spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about how to listen in edtech sales. But before we get into those topics, let me give you a brief background about Dan. So I haven't known Dan for too long, but I met Dano through Raina and Raina Glumach. And those of you that might know her, she is the CEO of Rye Consulting. A shout out to them. They're a very good procurement and marketing intelligence firm within EdTech. We'll put their info because Raina was a guest on our show in the show notes as well. But Raina did the introduction. We set up time to meet in person at ASU GSB at a cat cafe. And those of you that don't know what a cat cafe is, um, Google it. But there's a bunch of cats all over you while you're drinking coffee. It's my happy place. But unfortunately, the cat cafe was closed. But we ended up having a great conversation at a diner in San Diego at a conference. And I learned so much from him during just 30 minutes. I immediately said, you've got to come on the podcast. People need to know what you know. And what he has to share is pretty amazing. I already listened to this episode. I've rewound it many times. So this is an episode not to be missed. But before we get started, I'm just going to give you a brief background around who he is and what his experience is. So Dano has about 30 years experience in sales. And he's the founder and CEO of Fuel Sales, like I mentioned. He's going to talk a little bit about what that is. But overall, they provide a sales boot camp and they help place, a lot of the times, educators into sales rep roles, which he calls SDRs. So he trains a lot of educators, but other types of people as well, into becoming SDRs that ed tech companies really want. They want to have reps trained by Dan, and you'll see why in the conversation. Before Fuel Sales, Dan led sales and marketing for a local ed tech company called Netchemia. And he's going to talk a little bit about that in the podcast as well as what he's learned throughout and how product differentiation can change sales cycles as well. 
So welcome, Dano. We are so excited to have you on the show. Let's talk about some of the primary ways that EdTech B2B is so different from other industries. And, yeah. and some people say business to business or almost business to government because we are working within government-funded entities. But there's so many ways. But from a sales perspective, yeah. how, do you, how do you begin that conversation with people that don't know the industry? Yeah, the industry, you're right, is incredibly unique. It is different than most others that you're in. Um, I think one of the main big differences in it is that the majority of the prospects that you're working with um, are all very mission focused. And so when you're selling into this space, it's not about ROI and it's not about getting some kind of financial return on an investment of any kind. It's really about the mission that they have to help with student achievement or support the teachers in some way, shape or form. And so that's a totally different mindset to get yourself into when you are prospecting or engaging with these folks. Um, they also, another big thing is the fact that I, I think that uh, the majority of the leadership, if you think about how they, how they be, they got into that position basically is that they started as an educator and they moved their way through that process uh, into a leadership role. And so there is not a lot of uh, business sense in there. There's not a lot of like went to a, went to a college to get a business degree. These are educators. Um, and the way they make decisions a lot of times is very focused on um, like the social side of it, like wanting to make sure that someone else has done something very similar or they want to compare with friends or colleagues. And there's there's this um, collaborative feeling. It's not a competitive industry. You know, like one school is not going to say to the other school, they're not going to try to hide what they're doing. Um, they're sharing and helping each other uh, solve the problems that they have. So interesting. And I, I knew that, but it's nice for you to point that out because it, in, in, the, in the essence, we're talking with people that joined education to make a difference, right. worked their way up in the, in the industry, became leaders. And then as leaders, it becomes very collaborative and it can probably be a little bandwagony, right? Like, right. oh, did you, did you hear what they're doing? Let's try mm -hmm. that, right? Fred's using it. I want to use. I want to check it out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So w when you think about like selling to people mm -hmm. like this, like what what are the top ways that like you you can get some? I don't know. I was going to say what are the top ways you get yeses immediately, but. It, you, as you teach it, it takes a long time of ramp, but like, how, how do you get in there? How do you start this process of I'm selling to schools and districts? What do I do to get started? Yeah. What are, what are the things I should just never do? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, a lot of folks feel like sales is about pitching a product or selling a product. And the majority of the, of the sales process is more of a learning process. Um, and so a lot of the mistakes that people make when they get into this is that they they focus very specifically on their product and they feel like they have to educate the buyer and talk to them about what they do and how they do it. And all that. But at the end of the day, it really is about the problems, the issues, the challenges, the frustrations, the struggles that get you in the door. And so if you can make it focused on the other person, if you can focus it on the people that you're engaging with, 
and say, hey, I'm reaching out and wanting to understand, do you struggle with these problems? Do you do you um, have these concerns? If you do, let's talk. I want to learn. I want to understand. Are they big? Are they bad? Do you, how, how much are you struggling? And maybe I can help. Um, but if it's all about like, guess what I can do for you? They're like, not, not interested um, because they feel like they have to make a decision right away. Like, oh, I have to decide whether or not I want to work with you or talk to you. Um, and I'm not ready to do that. But I'm open to talk about problems and struggles, especially if I can relate to them and I feel what you're talking about. I'll open up and have a conversation with you about that. So that that's a big difference between other processes that you go into. This is a very pain-focused conversation. It's a very one-sided, I want to learn about you and not share about me as much until the time is right. I have so many questions and it's because I'm in this <laughs> learner mindset. I've been in the world of marketing for so long. And although I've collaborated with sales, I don't mm -hmm. get into the, the nooks and crannies, but I guess my two logistical questions are, I can imagine emails, if you are doing emails, are very much like, hey, is your challenge this? I'd love to sit down with you, free consultation, and it's like a listener, right? Kind of positioning. Yeah. Yep. And do you yep. do you email typically, or what's what's the process that you recommend? Because I know it's so relationship driven in K twelve. Yeah, it is relationship driven, but it is it, you know, there's a good combination of email and phone calls. The typical kind of approach to it is kind of best practices associated to outbound outreaches, nine to twelve touches in a two-week period of time. And so we attempt to mix phone and email in a two-week period of time to try to get a hold of that decision maker. But phone, it, making the phone call or using the phone is probably going to be the most successful approach. It just can't be the only thing that you attempt to do. So we will mix in emails and a little bit of social depending on who we're going after. But it is about connecting one-on-one -on -one with that person over the phone. Um, and I think the, one of the big advantages that K-12 has is the fact that if you're calling at the district level and you don't get a hold of the decision maker, there's an opportunity to talk to many other individuals within that department because they all know what's going on and you can learn a lot of information and almost like create this coach that's supporting you or even a champion that is really like excited about what you do and is is interested in helping you get to the decision maker. So the phone really, really is a big tool during the sales process, especially when you're prospecting. I like it. Old school, but relationship driven. And sometimes we're like now in these days, we're afraid to pick up the phone and just we rely on a lot of outbound emails. But yeah. I just want to reiterate what you said, nine to 12 touches within yep. a two week period. After that, yeah. do, they, do they ghost you after that? You lose them? No, after that. I mean, if you're attempting to get a hold of somebody and you've reached out nine to 12 times in two weeks, you're persistent. But if you keep going beyond that, it almost becomes like you're desperate. You're begging. Um, and you're like, please, please, answer the phone. Where are you? Um, like, you're the only person that's ever going to buy from me. So that that you have to shut it down and give them a break. And you almost basically, if you're working well with with uh, your marketing department, you know, you're kind of tagging that one as unresponsive, potentially putting them into a nurture campaign 
um, sending some value emails to them on a regular interval to keep them warm and the brand in front of you. And then you circle back maybe three or four months down the road and hit them with a new message. See yeah. what happens. A lot of sales is a timing issue, you know, and it's just not the right time. And you, you get in there, you make an attempt and then you jump out. You don't want to um, get to a point where you're annoying and desperate and pushy to try to get their attention. If they're interested, they'll talk to you. If they're not, you can move on. Good tip. Good Waste tip. Of time. Don't feel, don't project desperation. And I love right. that. Desperation um, like repels people. Yeah. It's and it's hard to recuperate from that too, because we have so much moving, especially in ed tech decision makers too. Yeah. Like you, you might see someone at ASU GSB or an ASSP later on and they're like, oh gosh, there's Dano. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So now he's re now that person's representing another district too. So really make sure that you maintain the relationship. And I love how you say, how can I help you and be value driven and listen? Mm -hmm. If I am listening though, I know you train people that are educators into sales reps, but right. what if sales reps don't have background in K-12 education or may not hundred percent know the product as well as they should? Like what... Yeah. How do so, they navigate that? Yeah. So early stage in sales, if you're going to be one of those prospectors at the beginning, the most important thing for you to have is knowledge on the industry and not necessarily the product. You know, you need enough to be dangerous about the product. But when it comes to you prospecting, you need to sound intelligent and you need to understand the conversation and the challenges. So, you know, Diving deep into a specific area, basically what happens is that when we engage with a client to really start working with them and prospect for them, uh, the first thing we're doing is trying to understand the problems that they solve and the people that they are focused on, right? And if we can go deep into the problem, like help me understand how people are doing this today without your service. What are the hangups? What are the challenges? Why are they struggling? Um, if we can understand that conversation really well, that's really the main topic that's going to be discussed during the prospecting call is how are you doing things today that are causing you these challenges so that I can decide, is this solution over here going to benefit you? Um, and so the SDR's function is really just to say, I need to interpret whether or not there's enough of a problem there and if the prospect is ready for change. And then I hand them off and say, I'm confident we can help you. Let me send you to the expert. Um, and then we set up a meeting and then the person that is the salesperson, they have a ton of product knowledge and can support that conversation beyond that, really connect the dots for the prospect and move them through the sales process. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So you talked about timing in nine to 12 touches. We know mm -hmm. that there is a interesting cycle within when ed tech is actually gathering information and when they have to buy things and when their budget runs out, there's a standard cycle. Do you want to kind of go a little bit over that purchasing cycle? And then in, in my head, I'm like, gosh, if every sales rep's doing nine to 12 touches, are they just not sleeping during peak periods of time? Like how, how do you go all out during peak buying season too? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's everybody has a little bit of a difference in the peak buying seasons and when they do, depending on what they're selling. But it typically, you know, it, it starts to ramp up late in August, early September. Um, and this is like prospecting time. So there's the difference between prospecting and buying time. Like if, if you understand what I'm saying, there's there's this opportunity to fill the funnel and really get engaged with people to learn about your products and start putting you into the budget and working. Um, and so that typically happens between September and April. So September all the way through the end of the year into April. And that's when things start heating up for purchase. And so that that latter part of Q2 into Q3 is like that. I, sorry to interrupt, but like that prospecting time, are you just, are the salespeople just fueling value and saying, Hey, we're here, here's some good resources. Hey, is your, you know, uh, like, I, I guess I worry in the beginning for back to school, like what's the attention level at for admins that are kind of crazy busy too, but you're saying <laughs> September through April, right? So it's a long, it's a long warm up, right? Yeah, it's a long warm up, and it's one of those things where they've been, you know, their budget was established. They've got an idea of what they need to to put in place, and now they're hunting, you know. And so you've got to be out there and saying, "Hey, I've got what you need. I can help you with the challenges you're trying to solve." And then they work through: Is this the right fit? Is there another vendor that can do this? What's the pricing associated to it? How are we going to fit it in? What are we going to do to implement? Um, and there's a lot of planning that goes into it, purchasing, potentially doing pilots or tests and things like that in certain schools before they go district wide and, and then they buy in a bigger way. Um, that's not to say that districts don't buy every single month. Um, you know, they do. Yeah, we they can buy. It just depends on the complexity of the opportunity that you're selling Um the season in which kind of the challenges exist the most. So for example, um, a product, one of the products I used to sell at NetChemia was a product called Records. Basic name for it, but it was managed a lot of the records in the HR department processes and records. And so one of those processes was the, the way that they manage teacher contracts. Well, teacher contracts is a problem that's in this window of time and this window of time only, you know? Um, and so they're not really worried about it during this other part of the season. Um, and so we have to sell ahead of the time that that happens and they need to implement right before then and execute. So teacher contracts are happening throughout beginning right before summer in throughout summer and then they're trying to wrap them up as school is, is starting. And so that process is intense and hard in that period of time. But outside of that, there's not a lot of concern for that. And I'm thinking in my head on like different product lines in ed tech. So if you uh -huh. have an SIS or an LMS or those type of things that are like foundational for starting a school year, I reckon it would just be like the first, you know, they would want it in place by the school year and right. that, would be, wanna, that would be more rigid. Like they're not yeah. going to roll out a comm system in January. Yes. Right. It would be like buying in April and potentially implementing and rolling out through the summer so that they can have this thing up and running in August. 
But uh, maybe like there's stuff like tutoring, right? And they mm-hmm. might be using tapping into governmental funds. And do you see like when you said the buying happens throughout every month, I would imagine that like, oh, I've got some extra dollars or I didn't realize I had budget. Let's try something like tutoring yeah. or there's yeah. probably other lines of business. You yeah, see that as, too? Tutoring is a great example because you're going to find that as you progress through the school year, you're going to see results on grades and challenges. And they're going to be like, what do we do? How do we fix some of that? Ooh, um, how point. do we? Yeah. And so it's like, bam, we've got to implement that in January so we can finish the year strong um, and get something going. So they'll buy at that point, um, like hiring teachers. There's a recruiting and hiring of teachers. We've got to manage that throughout the year. Um, and sometimes it's heavier at certain points in time, but we need to still manage it. So they're buying that throughout the year and potentially implementing at one school and seeing how it goes and then moving it out from there. Um, like curriculum, that's a, sometimes you're going to be on a three to five year cycle with something like that, where they're going to buy and then they're done for three years. There's, there's not much to do for a while. And then they have to re-up their curriculum again. Uh, so these windows are dependent upon what it is you're selling, um, the challenge you're solving with that, the department you're focused on, and whether it's a school or a school district. You know, mm-hmm. district-wide implementations tend to follow that seasonal pattern more than a school implementation where they can they can make a decision very quickly on something and move forward with it. Um, if the buying power is at the principal level, it can happen pretty quick. Yeah. And as you were talking, I want our listeners to pause. And if you're having a checklist here is what are the challenges my problem uniquely solves? Has it been validated by lots of conversations? Because you say you trained sales reps to really listen. Yep. You know, So really honing in on that. And then when do they typically buy and when do they typically gather information and sell? Does it follow the traditional ed tech K-12 cycle that you're talking about? Or is there some nuance that you should be aware of? And you talked about one of the services you do is when you go out, you also really hone in on, like you didn't use the word persona, but who is this person? Right. What are the different variations of these people? So right. ch- checklist time, if you don't have those things, talk to your team and see if there's ways you can develop it. And I find it fascinating, the nuances of it, but the pandemic flipped a lot of things back and topsy-turvy. But I feel like we're kind of back, right, in traditional buying. Yeah, we're starting to get back into that feel of it, you know, the traditional buying cycle. Um, ESSER funds are going to be running out. You know, people are going to get back to that normal pattern of purchase and things of that nature. There's not going to be this extra money sitting on the side as much. Um, So, yeah, we're getting back into that cycle. Okay, so you said they're done until, like, they're gathering until April. So from Mm -hmm. April until June, early July, their fiscal budget kind of ends. Is that when, like, it's peak Mm -hmm. buying time? Yeah, we used to see uh, peak buying time really happen, pretty big spike in July. You know, it was late June, early July, spiking like crazy, starting to come back down in August. Um, And then it really died out in August because people were just like starting trying to get school taken care of getting ready. Um, and then it starts picking back up as far as the prospecting and really filling the funnel and some purchasing happening, but depending on that, as you get into September, October. 
So if you could orchestrate the perfect marketing and sales, like what they are doing during the peak time, like what would marketing be doing to complement? And then what would be sales doing to really get out there, get as many leads in the pipeline and close? Sure. Yeah. Marketing. I always think of marketing as ground cover. Basically, they're the air cover, right? Where it is, I, I need to really educate the market help them become aware of what we have out there. And so I'm doing webinars. Um, I'm, I'm doing uh, lunch and learns. I'm, I'm attempting to kind of get our team set up at conferences and seeing which ones are those best conferences we can be part of. Um, so the email campaigning and things like that is just part of like introducing a webinar and saying, Hey, let's get, get let's, let's, uh, bring a client that we have in and have them share with us about the challenges that they had and how they used our product to solve those challenges, talk about results and things like that, send the leads off to the salespeople. Um, Same thing with like a lunch and learn approach where it's more of a regional, let's get together for lunch and talk about the challenges and see what we can do to help. Um, And then on a sales side, it's more about, you know, when you were talking about persona, it's we got to find our ICP, who's our ideal cus, who's the lowest hanging fruit group, which are the people we're going to go after. And then we put out a targeted campaign towards that. The sales team is a one-to-one approach. Marketing is kind of the one-to-many. And so our one-to-one approach is going to be very targeted in saying, okay, these are the folks that I care about the most in order to try to get in touch with. And so I'll hit them with my my outbound campaign, that 9 to 12 touch outreach a lot of phone work, seeing what I can do to generate some interest. Yeah. And I think on, on top of that, what I, what I see and try to compliment when I, when we work really closely with sales teams is like, what are the deals you're trying to close and how can we add value to them without being a stalker? Right. Mm-hmm. So how being that, not that desperate person, but for example, in social, if you cue your social team in, they can at least start following the districts. They can follow like if the leaders are there and make sure that they're liking some things and just being aware and maybe sending over relevant tweets and posts over to the sales rep and say, Hey, did you know they're interested in this? People are always trying to find like relevant conversations or or reasons to reach out. Right. Right. And and marketing is pushing this information out, trying to educate the market. Right. And what, what you hope to see back is some hotspots starting to happen, you know, where your message is getting read, they're starting to engage with your content more. And you're like, that's an opportunity to direct the sales team and say, Hey, Virginia's lighting up. Um, you need to see what you can do to open up that area a little bit more. I would get involved in that. Um, so there's opportunity there for this cross conversation, this very collaborative feel of saying, how do we continue to look at this market in a way to adjust our approach so that we're supporting each other in a better way, right? Not yeah. just to blast everybody. It's, ah, I see some things happening here. Let me see what I can do to get into that area a little bit more. Seems like the message is resonating really well. Um, And also sales is reaching back to marketing saying, I've been talking to a lot of people. The things that are really getting them excited is when I say, oh, let me change my messaging and push that out to a greater group of people and see if that ups my numbers and gets people more excited. So got to help each other with that process, you know? A hundred percent. So we talked a little bit about getting started and you talked about some approaches of phone, email touches, but like, 
if maybe it's a small sales team or maybe I'm starting as a marketing director and I, or sorry, a sales director at this time, how do I begin to choose what schools to add to my prospect list? Like you might inherit prospects if you're lucky, mm-hmm. but like what's your, how do you create like a sales strategy? Do I go yeah. for the, the big guys in the big districts? Do I go for the middle, the small, like, I know it depends on product, but yeah. how do you answer that very broad, hard question? Yeah, I mean, it, it also. I think it starts in a big way with like traction that you currently have. Where are your customers today, and what do they look like? Um, when I say K twelve is a very social sale, that means they're very regional as well. If they, if you are selling to people in Georgia, um, it is harder to say like it, it's harder to use those names in Texas or in New York or in other states outside of Georgia because they go, that's not me. Um, I, you know, I don't buy like Georgia. I don't work like Georgia. I'm different, you know? Same thing to be said as far as size of schools or districts. The bigger districts are gonna say, that's not me when when you're trying to share with them. Look what we've done for other districts. And they're all like, 2,500 student count, 1,500 student count, and they're way up at, you know, 80,000 student count, you know? So the way that you're looking at it is to try to say, I need those lookalikes of my current customer base as the lowest hanging fruit. Are they charter, public, private? Um, Which area have I seen the most success in? And I hate to say it, but it's almost like this virus approach where you, you know, I want to go after the lookalike people close and then I start the rings out from there because it's kind of like clustering though, right? So like yeah, you have one right. person in Georgia, then you cluster that, cluster that, and maybe you hire another sales rep or have another territory that you have a little traction in Texas and you try to cluster and grow that cluster, right? Right, right. You know, thinking about it in this pod group where you've got SDRs and AEs. So the SDRs are the main prospectors and then the AEs are the closers, but the AE does all the work too. I mean, they still prospect. And so your AE, if you use that person as an opener in a state, for example, let's say we have a great foothold in Texas, but Oklahoma is not working for us. Louisiana is not working for us yet. My SDRs are going to be centered in Texas, just creating volume like crazy in that area. And my AE is going to be focused in Oklahoma and Louisiana and saying, let me let me visit in there. Let me go to regional conferences. Let me set up meetings where I can start to really create relationships. As soon as they get a couple of anchor accounts in there, they have referenceable people with outcomes. SDRs jump in and then start creating volume off of those, and the AE moves to the next area. Um, and so it's kind, of, it's kind of like let's let's – follow the leader. <laughs> um, come on, I just opened it up. Let's go. Um, and, you know, deploy the troops. So. Awesome. Well, let's get into some nitty gritty. Part of okay. sales is the demo and actually walking them through the product and getting that down. What are some best practices that you say in the demo, you got to do this? Oh. Like, and I know that you've done, you've teach so much about this and I'm yeah. sure that you probably attended demos that you're like, Oh no, I wouldn't do yeah. that. So what are the mistakes as well? Yeah. It's so much more fun to talk about the mistakes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
when it comes to demoing, this is the first time your prospect has the opportunity to really connect the dots and say, ah, like it's their aha moment on things. Um, but so many times I see people creating these demos or these presentations that are very cookie cutter. They're like, every time I do a demo, this is how I do it. I say these words, I execute this way, and I have no connection to what they care about the most. Like, don't do that. Um, this Your demo needs to be about them, and it has to connect to the issues that they feel like they have. Um, sales reps will be like, we can do so much more, though. Look what my product can do. It does all these things. Well, sometimes you're overwhelming your prospect, and you're losing a sale because you're showing them that this is way too much for them, and they don't need all of that. But if you can get your foot in the door with something, you can then sell into that even more and grow your presence with them. So sell what they need in that demo, not so much more that they become overwhelmed and say, mm, man, maybe this is too expensive and something we don't need. Um, maybe I need to find somebody who can do just what I need it to need to be done. So there's a couple so of things. True. That is so true. I think that I've been working on focusing on what they care about most, like you said, mm -hmm. and then selling that vision of before and after. Like yeah. imagine that world that you don't have to manually roster kids or whatever, right. like 60% right. of our customers within six months experience this and like, mm -hmm. imagine that. Yeah. So we, that we all, yeah. We all know that people buy based on emotion. And so the kind of the order of operations is not to say, let me tell you all about us. And, you know, here's our, here's a picture of our office and look at all the, all the different, it just like, bombard them with boring information about you to try to build credibility before you share a solution. It's like, they're not ready to receive that information yet because they're not emotional at that point. And so the best order of operations is to start the meeting with re-educating them about the issues and saying, let's get all on the same page. Uh, and this is why we're here today, right? Anybody want to add anything to this? This is the challenge you're facing today that you're trying to solve, right? This is, or if um, if it's kind of an inbound opportunity and you're doing a demo, there's an opportunity to educate about the problem in the market and see if they relate and connect and kind of do your discovery like that. But it really is about creating an emotional engagement with them at the beginning and have them feel like, oh, yes. I hate what I'm dealing with. I need a, to solve the problem. And then they get engaged, right? Then you move directly into the solution. And you don't talk about yourself. You talk about the solution and saying, this issue can be solved by this. Do you see how that works? And this can be solved by this. And you move through the process by saying, here's how we make your life so much better. And this is what the world is going to look like, right? And they get so excited about that. They're emotional about it. They're happy about it, hopefully. Then you move into the credibility and say, the reason why we're the best at doing all this and solving this is because boom, boom, boom. And so they're ready to listen to that stuff at that point because they're emotional, they're engaged, and they're excited about your solution. They believe in you at that point. Now they're going, this is awesome. Um, I love all the credibility you're adding to this. And, and, it's really nice to end with kind of knocking that question off the table about implementation. 
and having a nice little slide that's like ABC123. This is how easy it is to get our product in the door with you. Um, and the, the adoption is going to be amazing and all that stuff. Um, so good. Very good order of operations. My question, and it probably depends on the type of product that EdTech is selling, where do they put the price in, in all of this conversation? It is, it is very dependent. So yeah. if, it, if it's a very transactional, easy pricing point, um, you can put it right at the end and talk about price right away. The more complex the product is, the more you are putting together a proposal post demo and saying, let's set up a proposal review meeting and like really dive into the pricing more with you, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I just want to make sure that like the salespeople that are listening are like, oh gosh, I don't want to waste my time. If, if they're like you probably qualify their budget to make sure that when they're in the sales demo, they can somewhat afford the range. Yeah. That's always a tricky dance. Yeah. You know, ghosting, you talked about at the beginning of this and uh, that's a huge problem for folks that are, that are going through this demo um, and they get really happy ears. Basically that's what it's called. Kind of like they get excited about the response they're getting from the prospect and the prospect's like, okay, this was great. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. We're going to just huddle call me back, see you. Um, and they don't set a meeting at the end of this to continue the process. Um, and that's the biggest challenge. They, they end up, they end up going back and forth, trying to get somebody on the phone, dealing priorities, get kind of skewed on the other end and the the emotion behind solving this thing kind of deteriorates and they lose the opportunity. Um, there's a great way to really set your, yourself up for success at the beginning of the meeting for that end of the meeting conversation. Usually what I do in that area is I say, you know, during this conversation, I want it to be really interactive. I want to be able to get questions from you and hear from you through this, interrupt me the whole time through this. But at any point in time, if you feel like this is not a good fit for you, like there's a, there's a something that pops up and it just feels like, man, this is a game changer. We're not going to be able to do it. Um, then just let me know and we can stop and not waste anybody's time. Um, and then if I hear that in any way, I'll be listening. If I hear something that doesn't make it, it makes it just not a good fit for you. I'm gonna let you know, again, we just don't need to waste any time. Is that fair? And everybody's like, yeah, sure. And, and then you just follow that up with, if we make it to the end of this presentation and it all feels like there's something good there, then I'd like to reserve about 10 minutes at the end to just understand how you purchase a product like this. I just want to kind of walk through the process that you go through. Is that, is that, is there an opportunity to do that? And everybody's like, sure, we can do that. Um, And that avoids everybody at the end going, Oh, I got to go. Sorry. I'm wrapping up and I got to get out of here. I got another meeting. Um, they, you save that 10 minutes and you have a conversation that is basically saying, okay, if you purchased something like this, when would you want it to be live? When do you want to be using it? And they say, oh, probably run this time. Okay. You start working backwards in the process. Like we've got to have an agreement here. When does it take time? You know, what does it take to get an agreement? Okay. we got to take these steps and probably need a proposal. And you end up defining what your next step is going to be 
And it makes it so easy to be like, okay, well then I'll get you the proposal and then we're going to have to set an appointment to review. That seems like what the next step is. Let's do that. What time do you have later this week to do that? And we set a meeting. Yes. You were saying all of these juicy, wonderful things is you're setting a meeting during your meeting. So you're not following up in a busy schedule and right. not trying to get the meeting and you're allowing them an out in the beginning and really yeah. a transparent culture of like, Hey, if this isn't a fit, just let me know. I don't want to, like I always say, especially in education, I don't want to waste people's time in education. Right. right. People, we're all in it for the right reasons. Like let's not waste each other's time. Right. I think your time is extremely valuable. And let's, I love setting the expectation up front and then trying to figure out, Hey, well, what is, you know, typically what is your timing, but back me out of it. So I can make sure I'm meeting your needs as well. Yeah, I want to service you and I want to do the things that are going to lead to you getting this on time delivery, basically. Um, you know, and so that, that's a really huge part about it. And you said booking a meeting in a meeting, we call that bam fam, like book a meeting from a meeting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so important to do that. The chances of you selling a deal, if someone says, no, I'm not ready to, you know, set an appointment from this meeting, they, they just decline significantly. So yeah. if there's interest, they're going to be, yes, let's continue the process. Let's move on. Let's keep going. Um, but if they're not, they're like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to some people about And It's the nice way to say no. Yes. And then you don't want to waste your time and you don't want to seem desperate and you can throw them in those nurture. You can throw them on the marketing list, being as value driven, making the case. And maybe they're ready for next year once you ramp them up. Right. But all amazing things. And for (laughs) anyone starting out, like rewind, rewind the order of operations that Dano is talking about and beginning to start with that out. And I love challenge oriented. What is the specific thing they said their challenges were? Mm -hmm. And incorporate that. Let's not go on like, all right, today I'm going to talk about this and blah, 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 monotone. Yeah. Are you ready for my monologue? (laughs) This isn't mandatory professional development. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, All right. I have so many other questions to ask you, but we are running out of time. Um, I think I'm going to love to have you on the show. We can talk about conferences, how to use conferencing for sales. We can talk about scaling a team and sizes of teams, all of that fun stuff. But is there anything you want to add to people like, you know, that I forgot to say this, this is really what you need to think of when you're thinking about sales and ed tech that you want to add before we get into some closing questions? No, I mean, I I really think that the, the two big things that I care about when it comes to sales is really listening to the prospect and empathizing, bringing that level of empathy to the conversation is where you start to get some really good traction. So just be a really good active listener during that prospecting time and don't shortchange your, your kind of that discovery process. Really try to understand. Yeah. And some of the salespeople I've talked to, like, you know, if it's not your first rodeo, you have hundreds of calls, you kind of know what they're going to ask too. Mm -hmm. So the more you can proactively address things like, hey, they're going to talk about data privacy because that's really important to them. And, you know, are they COPA, FERPAS, all the things certified, you know, like it's okay to like proactively address it as well. And I feel 
you know, if, if a sales rep doesn't know those basic things, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going somewhere else. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for your wisdom for those of, I I don't want to close it off yet. I want to ask you one really cool question. We asked all of our guests specifically around ed tech, when you are hitting the grind and you are out there making the calls and you're outbounding and you maybe had a challenging day, what are the things that you do to personally recharge so you can show up the next day and go, okay, another day? Yeah. I mean, you just have to remember that the folks on the other end are not, there's never this personal attack that's happening. Anything that's going on on their end is because of the day that they're having and not because of your call, you know? And so you've got to realize that these folks are very, very busy. They're struggling with a lot of things. And if you catch them off guard, it has nothing to do with you. Someone could have walked in the door and got frustrated at them and then they picked up the phone in this angry state. It's not a personal thing. And so if you can maintain that kind of mindset that my job is to really help people get into a better place. And every morning I kind of remind myself of that, is that that's that's the role my job is, is that I'm a problem solver. I come in here to help people get from a bad place into a good place. And I really believe in what I do. And so if someone's angry, frustrated, it's just not the right time for them at this moment. You know, it's not the right time. I'll try them again. But I'm looking for the people that are struggling, that need something like this. And if I can find one of those today, I'm going to be pretty dang excited about it. And yeah. so that that's kind of how I look at it, is that I got to focus on the positive outcomes as opposed to the huge pile of, you know, the rejections that tend to happen in that, because, you know, that that's what motivates me and moves me forward. Yeah, I would say that sales gets a brunt of on the front lines, um, marketing as well, but specifically in social media, burnout is quite high. So with my team members, I, I've talked to them about that, you know, what you just said is really you have to build up a thick skin and you know that if an educator is yelling at you or an admin, it's not about you. It's really never about you. Right. Right. And I think we all had to learn that lesson the hard way. I learned it for decades in being a waitress. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember I once had a customer break up with me. She said, <laughs> I feel abused. I feel betrayed. And I'm like, oh, this isn't about me. She Light bulb. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I love the reframing of it. And also the way you beautifully reframed it with value. Like I'm here to make a difference. I know yeah. I, be- I believe in my product. Yeah, I want to help you. And yeah. people can spot that authenticity too. Yeah. The other way to kind of just recharge on the K-12 side is to, I usually, I have a Google alert set up um, and I have it send me notifications every morning with a list of news articles that are focused on the keywords that are in my industry or the thing that I'm focused on. And so it gives me an opportunity to kind of wake up and kind of catch up a little bit, learn a few new things and almost like have something to spark a conversation with during that day. So I pick the articles I want to read. I read through those with my coffee. I'm like, oh, okay. I've got a, you know, I'm I've got my mind set on the on the industry now. I've got some cool things to bring up in conversation that are new and interesting. Um, all right, let's go. Yeah. So. You you recharge through learning. 
Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not uncommon, but the way you put it, I love it. Lifelong learner. Yeah. Um, so, Dano, how can people get in touch with you? I know that you've got your website. That's gofuelsales.com, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, they can but how can me. they? Yeah, they can find me there. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we've <laughs> we've got a pretty active TikTok account as well, but also, um, you know, just my email address is dano at gofuelsales.com. So feel free to reach out to me anytime there. Uh, happy to answer any questions or help anybody that way. Yeah. And we didn't really get into his business, but I just wanted for context, one of your main boot camps is you train educators into becoming SDRs and you help place them into ed tech companies. Did I oversimplify that? Absolutely. That is one of the main things that we do. I mean, we our, our business is a lot of education. So we educate, um, you know, we educate anybody interested in getting into sales. But you're right. It's mainly former educators, former teachers that are looking to get into ed tech sales. But we also train founders and mm -hmm. folks that are on that are trying to understand the sales for their company and grow a team. And so we have a boot camp that's for ed tech founders to help them kind of build out their sales playbook and grow their organization. So a lot of the education pieces. And then, and then we also do outsource lead generation and some things like that. So a lot of other yeah. little service-based stuff. So, Well, awesome. I have learned so much. I feel like this is such a treat because <laughs> I tend to, I have a lot of questions, but sometimes I don't know who to ask them to. And sometimes we all don't share this information as freely as we'd like to. Yeah. And a lot of times there's conflicting information. So I appreciate you coming on and just saying, here's what I do. And yeah. it works. Please, please, people do it. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Awesome. Appreciate well, you having me. Thank you so much for joining us, Dano. What you have shared has really cleared up a lot of things for me personally and I love how open you were and how practical and also strategic your advice was. So thank you. I know you're going to be sharing some resources in the show notes as well. And speaking of the show notes, you can access them at leoneconsultinggroup.com. So that's leoneconsultinggroup.com group so two g's dot com backslash the number 53 so backslash 53 we're going to include the transcript of this in case you just want to be a quick reader we're going to embed the audio and like i said we're going to put in all relevant resources as well so thank you all for joining we will see you next time on all things marketing and education take care Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.